Welcome to FMC Radio, your officially unofficial source for all things Free Methodist. From in-depth discussions with key FMC leaders to daily updates during events like General Conference, we want to keep a consistent stream of information flowing to you regarding where God is leading the Free Methodist Church. I'm your host, Josh Avery. We want to invite you to sit back, relax, and join us on this journey as we learn what it means to be Free Methodist in this episode of the FMC Radio Show. It's Monday, February 5th. We're here with episode 45 today, and here in Northeast Ohio, it's very cold. I'm not too tired this morning. Maybe some of you are a little bit tired heading into work, sitting at work, uh, going through the normal Monday morning, but maybe you stayed up all night watching the Super Bowl. I didn't. I went over next door to somebody's house, uh, heard a couple hours before the Super Bowl was on, you know, they invited me over next door, so I decided to stop by, Um, did have some dips. Had some guacamole, had some salsa, had some, of course, buffalo chicken dip. Um, it was a pretty spicy stuff. I was sweating a little bit. Um, but you know what? The truth is I couldn't even tell you who played yesterday. I, I know the Patriots did because they're always in it. Um, I know they didn't win because I saw somebody posting about it online, but I forget who the other team was. Um, I think it might have been the Browns, the Cleveland Browns, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, that's a joke, by the way. Um, for those of you who are listening, like, did he, did he really think the Browns won? No, um, <laughs> I don't really, I don't care about NFL at all. Um, if the Browns were in it, because of my family background, I think I'd have to root for the Browns if the Browns were actually a good team. Um, but there are, but they aren't, of course. They never have been um, for many years. So all that to say, hopefully you're awake this morning. Hopefully you're getting through your day. Um, I did, though, watch something last night. Uh, that, you know what, I have avoided for a year and a half. I don't know how long this has been out, but I did watch a TV show after the Super Bowl last night. You probably know what I'm talking about. I did watch This Is Us. It's probably one of the most popular shows on TV today. Now, I didn't watch last night's episode. I know there's somebody posts online, oh, there's this big surprise, and, you know, this happened and that happened, and I've tried not to look because my wife has been talking to me about this for the longest time, this show, This Is Us. <clears throat> I finally just, you know, she said last night, well, how about you watch the first episode, you know, of season one? Uh, okay, okay, so I watched it. Um, my recommendation um, on it, I would recommend the show. I thought it was a great uh, show. I thought it came together really well. There's a twist in the show. I don't want to give anything away. Um, <clears throat> there was early on, and my wife warned me about this, there was a, a sexual scene, but it, 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 you saw one bit of nudity. It was the backside of a guy. Um, that was it for the rest of the show. Um, and she told me that that doesn't happen again in the rest of the show. So, you know, if you, you started watching it one day and that's literally like the first scene. Um, and you saw that you go, oh, no, 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 the show has this. That's, I've been told, uh, very limited. So if you can kind of fast forward past the first literally two minutes, um, I think you're really going to enjoy the first episode. It's pretty meaningful. Um, you're going to get into some, uh, some uh, racial topics, um, which I think are going to be really great. Um, have some conversations. I know over on Free Methodist Conversations, that's one of our uh, goals is to talk about race and to talk about the inclusion of all different races into our churches and things. So this just you know, got me thinking in that sort of a way as well. Um, but uh, all that to say, hopefully, whether you stayed up for the Super Bowl or you stayed up till 1 a.m. watching the you know, live This Is Us doubleheader last night, um, hopefully everything's going well for you. Um, if you were at church this past Sunday, it was, of course, the first Sunday of the month, the first Sunday of February, and uh, a new 
Light and Life has come out, I wanted to point out a few things. I wanted to thank the people at Light and Life. They have featured our podcast once again in the recommended. Um, I, for, I don't have a Light and Life right in front of me right now, but there's a there's a page that's all about recommended, um, not listening, but recommended uh, resources, I believe it is. So there's a couple books listed there, some Fremo journals, and also our podcast is listed there. It is it's amazing. Um, it has almost been a year. It will be a year at the end of this month that we have been doing this podcast, uh, 45 episodes in, and uh, it's just been a great time. It's been a, a great experience, um, a lot of fun talking to so many of you all over America, um, those involved at different levels from lay people all the way up to the bishops in the Free Methodist Church, um, and just seeing how really there's not these layers. When we break it down, you know, there's not <clears throat> layers um, of, hey, this guy, he's up there, and I'm down here because I'm just a lay person. Really, it's it's a, a group of people working together for one purpose. Um, and then, of course, we break it down into the strategies, and those are, we could see those as different purposes, but it's all for one purpose, right? It's about spreading the gospel, and, and, and in that, we disciple people and all that sort of thing that we've been discussing here through our nine strategies on this uh, on this podcast. But I, I again want to thank the denomination for and Light and Life specifically for publishing that and putting our podcast again um, right in the middle of of what people are looking at. And if you're here for the first time, based upon Light and Life's recommendation, we welcome you to the show. Um, and we have 44 other episodes for you to check out <laughs> if you want to get in there and, and take a look. Um, might take a while for you to catch up. But uh, I know of some people that are currently doing that, and they're probably listening to this. I mean, right now I'm recording this in February. They're probably listening to this maybe in May or something if they're going to start from the beginning. But uh, but no matter where you're at in this journey, we welcome you. This is a journey for each of us to uh, kind of learn more about the Free Methodist Church. This is a journey for us to learn more about where we are together um, and where we're headed, really, and how we can best do that. So... That's Enlightened Life. Another thing that's Enlightened Life um, is an excerpt from Phyllis Sorter's book. I would, I would absolutely recommend, and I do every month, but I would absolutely recommend this month specifically picking up a copy of Enlightened Life because um, if you haven't bought Phyllis's book yet, Phyllis Sorter, of course, the missionary who was kidnapped uh, a few years back, um, she writes about, there's a few pages worth, I think it's three pages in the February Enlightened Life. She writes a few pages there's a few pages published from her book about the day she was kidnapped. It's almost unbelievable. Um, my wife is currently reading through Phyllis's book, the full book, um, which you can purchase at fmcusa.org. Um, she's reading through the full book, and it's almost surreal because it's one of those stories that is just you know hard to just wrap your mind around. It's 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 straight out of a you know thriller movie, and and since you know that it's real. It's not really in a good way. <laughs> You're not sitting there going, oh, this is, you know, great. It's a good story because it's a thriller, but it's also at the same time you're going, wow, this actually happened. This is this is just insane. This is crazy. And then to read, you know, the, the surreal part of it, to realize that, you know, this is someone that's connected to our church. This is someone connected to our denomination. You know, just a few years ago, we were in the middle of this story at our church service praying for, not knowing, you know, if, she, if Phyllis was alive or dead and, and what had happened to her. Um, if you go to church this Sunday, you haven't picked up the Light and Life yet, I, I fully recommend you to, to pick that up, check it out, um, take a look. And if you like what you read, if you're saying, man, I need to know more about this story, I mean, how did it impact, you know, how did she get freed? 
what happened to that process. But then not only that, you know, because that would be the full story, right? She talks about how she got kidnapped, what happened while she was there, and then getting out. But I think something that's just interesting, as I scan over the book, I haven't had the chance to read through it all yet. But as I scan over the book, I see there's a whole section at the end there on the story of, of um, you know, just returning to normal life and what that was like and then deciding to go back as a missionary again and realizing, hey, I'm going back to the same places, the same, you know, people that were, you know, where I was kidnapped. And so to kind of, I'm excited to get to that part of the book too, to just read and see, you know, how, how does somebody overcome you know, that fear or even just that, you know, in, in war, people talk about PSD of just having those, you know, those moments where you go like overwhelmed, like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. Like you get scared or you get worried or, you, you know, I wonder if she's gone through that and I'm excited to read um, just to hear, you know, her thoughts on, on that here in the second part of the book. And she gets into that from what I've seen. So I just want to recommend that you check that out, uh, Light and Life, and I've said that a few times, but it's that important that I've repeated it a few times. But uh, thanks to Light and Life for continuing to bring these stories to us um, and to uh, give us all these details of things that are going on in our world um, and with our missionaries and with the people and with our churches. Um, before we move into the main portion of our podcast today, um, I just wanted to read a quote uh, from, of course, my favorite band, which, of course, if you've listened long enough, you know, is the band Switchfoot. And a guy named Tim, who is in the band, uh, he wrote this quote the other day. And uh, I just really like it. I posted it online, and I just think it's something worth repeating. He said that hope deserves an anthem. And in other words, they have a song, um, which I'll play here in a moment to transition us through. Um, but hope deserves an anthem. Like, it's it just deserves somebody to be behind it, right? Hope deserves that anthem. And so he says, hope for a world bigger than myself. Hope for a world that can still change. Hope that never stops. We live it, we breathe it. And when we can't see it, we sing it. Just brings me back to a lot of different things. There's a lot of stuff I could talk about from that quote. And of course, Switchfoot, you know, he's talking about kind of a story behind this song. The Hope, to, um, Hope is the Anthem song on their recent album. Um, but it's more than that. You know, he says, when we can't see hope, we sing it. And of course, that's their life. They're going around touring and bringing music to the people and singing hope into the lives of people. But in our lives, what it reminds me of, um, first of all, is just, you know, living our life like a song. You know, living our life as, as if we were um, just singing hope into the lives of other people. But it also reminds me, way back on the episode that... Uh, Chris and my wife and I did the top 10 hymns. When we did that episode, um, we talked about meaningful hymns and the story behind those hymns, but I've come to learn even more recently about hymns when I've been preparing for my Wesleyan theology class. I found out that uh, Wesley and Charles, you know, we knew that they wrote these hymns, but we knew that it had some deep theology in them, but that was on purpose, that even in the songs that they were singing, they believed that they could, you know, live out their theology, that they could speak their theology, that they could pronounce their theology literally through song. Um, and so I want you guys to think about too as you're listening, just what kind of music you listen to, what kind of things are you saying with the words that you're singing, um, and are you singing hope? Hope for a world bigger than yourself, hope for a world that could still change, hope that never stops. When you can't see it, are you singing it? 
Or are you giving into some of those songs that, you know, are just really not the greatest message or really singing the kind of non-hope or uh, backwards theology that we wouldn't teach in our churches but we would sing, you know, in our cars? I'm not sure that we want to live into that kind of a life anymore. Um, so that's a challenge for you today. Uh, here is a little portion of the song, Hope is the Anthem by Switchfoot, and we will be right back. today it is a top 10 list it's our third top 10 list that we have done on this show which means we're back with uh we call her around the church the executive amazing super office administrator secretary to the pastors of freedom church i think that is your official title did you write that down yeah i wrote that down because (laughs) it's such a long title i just don't remember it a lot of the time right is that the official title no Okay, I, and it's something really long, and I don't remember what it is. I shortened it. I'm the executive assistant to the pastor. Executive assistant to the pastors of Freedom Church. Yes. And we just call her the gentle giant. She is my wife, Carissa. Gentle giant? I, yeah, I think like spiritual giant. I was just thinking, you know, people always say gentle what? giant. I just thought that would be good. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I've heard that phrase before. I don't know if it applies because you're not No, large. I've heard the phrase before. I haven't heard you call me the gentle giant before. <laughs> well, you're, you're not. Ju- you're just making things up. <laughs> I just thought it would sound good on the podcast like to say that it's the gentle giant. Is you here. had that planned? I had that planned. I was thinking about oh. like a phrase like that wasn't as long as the executive whatever. And I'm I thought gentle sure. giant. It just sounds really smooth. <laughs> For maybe for this big tough guy who's really sweet on the inside, but not me. <laughs> that's actually true. So there's nothing giant about you. So I, that's why I said maybe spiritual giant. That's what I meant by that. Okay. So, but you were you were here last on episode 24. It is now episode 45, which means there's been 21 episodes where we have not heard your voice. I have heard your voice every day, but you know the people have not heard your voice, and they're very sad about that. So can you speak to that a little bit? Be sad no more. I'm back on. (laughs) That's a good point. Okay. Well, uh, today, as uh, you may have noticed in the title of the show, 
We are talking about the top 10 funniest scripture passages. Now, there are a few rules to this. Um, you know, our, on our last show, we did the top 10 um, hymns, the Wesley Brother hymns. The first one, we did our top 10 most meaningful or beautiful. I always forget what word we actually used. Uh, scripture passages, and if, uh, on each of these shows, these top 10 lists are kind of subjective in, a, in the fact that um, they are what we come up with. So you may have something else out there that after the show you could write onto the Facebook group, you could call into the voicemail, you could email me, you know, and let us know what your funniest, what you think the funniest verses or verses in the Bible. Um, but when we go about it today, at least for me, I have some that seem funny just by reading them. Some need a little bit more context, and some um, I know I'm I'm going to be kind of taking out of context a little bit. Um, but I'll get I'll explain what I mean by that uh, as we get to them. All that to say, uh, we do have ten, five each uh, verses that we're going to be talking about, or set of verses. So um, do you want to go first? Or you want me to? Please, I'll go first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. My verse is 2 Kings 2, 23 and 24. Okay. It says, Elisha left Jericho and went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, a group of boys from the town began mocking him and making fun of him. Go away, you bald head. They chanted, Go away, you bald head. What version are you reading from, by the way? <laughs> just so you know. That's <laughs> That's the whole thing. Go on up, you bald head. That's that. Don't uh, go away. Oh go yeah. Away, okay. I'm thinking head. of the NIV. So and it's the same thing though. Like I mean, it's calling them the same thing. I'm just I'm just remembering a quote. And the reason I remember that quote so much is because for some reason, you know, I went to a Christian school. You did too. Um, a Christian high school, but I went to a different Christian high school called called Heartland Christian. And like, for some reason, everyone was obsessed with these verses. Like, they just thought it was funny. I'm sure there's some sort of context that I don't know. I mean, if I ever look at for Second Kings, I'll figure out, like, what's the story behind that. But these guys, you know, them calling them that, everybody at the school thought it was so funny. Um, in senior year, I think it was senior year, but when a, when a basketball player was senior year, um, they would have uh, during the basketball game they would give a little bio about each of the basketball players so this one guy he uh he tells the announcer the announcer is going to announce all this stuff like you know during the the game and stuff um he says you know andrew blah 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 and and he's from austintown ohio and he gave out like the whole details and then he says and his favorite verse is second kings 2 (laughs) and then he read the whole verse a few people, you know, Elijah was going up, but I don't have it right in front of me. But he, it was like everyone was sitting there at the halftime of the basketball game, and here he's reading this whole story. I'm like, that is so, that probably not the best thing to be reading. Like, if there's non-Christians, they're like, what in the world does that even mean? Why is that this kid's favorite verse? And is but that is that where they stopped? It's it, it, they stopped like a little him? bit afterwards. I think like the bears call come out and maul the, yeah, the children. That so the whole story is just a few more verses. I'll read the rest of what happened. It's interesting. Elisha then turned and looked at them. He cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. So it it seems so random. I don't understand. I really, like, I need to study that passage. I'm sure there's someone out there that's like, oh, I know what that means. And they're like taking out their commentary or something. But, you know, just out of 
looking at what what that meant in that time, it's just so random and so weird. And the fact that they, I mean, the funniest part, I think, like where you stopped, you know, of just the names they were calling him, you know, to, I, I don't know, was he actually, I guess he was actually bald. I don't know. Apparently. Yeah. Or maybe he was losing his hair and that's the, you know, maybe he was just really mad, sensitive about him losing his hair. And think about this too, 42 like young boys, kids just came out onto the street and just all of them started just making fun of him for some reason. I don't, I Why have no that? idea. They just hated bald people, I guess. 42 kids just <laughs> hanging around making fun of yeah, him that's for like, his baldness. That must have been in Rochester, Pennsylvania. Kids hang out on the streets all the time whenever I worked there. I don't know. No one else gets that joke or actually it's reality but no one else literally besides myself i just realized even chris doesn't know what i'm talking about yeah so. what <laughs> i used to work in a place that was like that 42 kids would be like on every street corner so okay so i have uh proverbs 21 19 and this could this is a really good one um, now i'm going to be reading from new living in in this one this is just where i originally uh found this verse and then my other ones are all from uh niv i believe so this one in New Living, um, this is just really good uh, advice because Proverbs is full of good advice uh, to live by. And I think this is good advice that, you know, if you're listening in a married relationship and, you know, I'm sitting here with my wife, so we can apply this to our married relationship. This is a great one. Proverbs 21, 19, it says, It is better to live alone in the desert than with a crabby, complaining wife. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought you would really like that one in case you ever start complaining. I'll just go out to the desert and, and I'll say, well, that's in the Bible. So How ironic. I also found this <laughs> verse when I was looking up my top, my top five verses. Same and one. And I passed it up. I decided not to bring <laughs> it to the table here. Okay. Well, okay. Well, um, it's a good one, though. I mean, it is the Bible. So we what do, do you need have to, to say that. about that verse, Josh? I, well, I just say... It's a good thing I live with a gentle giant, and I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> good good save there. Well, thanks. Does that make it my turn? I guess it is, yeah. That's a short, just a short one, so there's not much more to say about that one, I guess. We're back in 2 Kings, 2 Kings 9, okay. 20. Let me find it here. 2 Kings 9, 20. The watchman exclaimed, the rider has met them, but he isn't returning either. It must be Jehu, son of Nimshi, for he is driving so recklessly. And it's just kind of funny because cause they're, they're, they didn't know who was coming at them. It, they, sent out some, they sent out some riders to go see who was coming from the distance, and they didn't know who it was. The riders weren't returning to tell them who was coming. And finally, they just said, oh, he's driving really recklessly. He can't drive. It must be Jehu. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that before, but that is actually really funny to just say, like, oh, well, that, that guy's driving all over the road, so apparently that's Jehu, definitely. That is that is good. That's a really good one, and that's one that I wouldn't have actually thought of. Um, that's really funny. But I, I, I was at first, when I first heard the two, like, just the names are sometimes hard to pronounce or are funny and weird in and of themselves. I know Jehu, but what was the son of who? Son of Nimshi. Nimshi. So <laughs> yeah. sometimes it's just so hard to pronounce those. And like, if since you know, I'm, I mentioned on the show before, I'm pastoring a church now. Like, if I'm reading a passage that just has all these random names, I just realized 
I used to try to pronounce them and then say, well, sorry if this is wrong, but actually then I realized no one there, no one in the world knows how to pronounce them, really, except for really scholars. So I just pretend like I know, and then everyone thinks I'm really smart when actually I'm probably saying something that isn't actually real. After all, <laughs> you are the pastor, so you must be right. That, right, right. Yeah, so Nimshi, uh, but that's, that's that's really good. Yeah, I, I think... Um, you know, that's definitely true of some people who live here as well. Uh, people, if you know, driving down our street, um, you can tell who's driving down the street. Um, it's Daniel across the street because yeah, he's, revving the, he's revving it. He's literally driving up through the front yard, you know, literally one time our neighbor driving through the front yard and we have like a little hill in our front yard he's just driving up there i'm not we're not we don't live out in the country we live like on a you know suburb type street in the middle of youngstown and here he is just like going through people's front yards on his four-wheeler or whatever so yeah if if someone's driving recklessly it's got to be daniel on our street but so i can relate to that also (laughs) which makes it even better Okay, so here's one of mine, Deuteronomy 14.21. And now this is one of the ones that I mentioned is, I, I know I'm taking out of context. I have never studied in depth Deuteronomy. I have, I have studied and taught through the book of Leviticus. So I know there are important reasons for this verse, but I just find um, at face value this verse kind of funny because this is speaking the law of the Israelites. And in Deuteronomy, 20, or Deuteronomy 14.21, it tells them, do not eat anything that you find already dead. So, you know, just don't eat any roadkill or anything like that. Okay. But it says, you may give it to the foreigner residing in any of your towns, and they may eat it, or you may sell it to any other foreigner. Uh. So I think that's just funny. Again, I'm taking out of context, I know, probably. Um, I know that it was important for the Israelites not to eat anything dead. But just that idea of just saying, like, well, it's okay to give to anybody else. Someone but else. Yeah, just go ahead and you. sell it. Like, they, they won't know any better, I guess. I don't know. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, don't eat it yourself personally. So I, I hope that, uh, you know, maybe maybe our grocery stores do that. Like, hey, I'm not going to eat this roadkill, but if I put it out, you know, on the side, it's it, they'll just know, they won't know the difference, you know. I'll just put it out for sale. Could be. And don't cook a young goat in its mother's milk either. That's just another thing from the end of that passage. <laughs> I wasn't going to read that. Then I just glanced down and saw it. I <laughs> so. decided to add that yeah. little bit. If it's in its father's milk, you can do that, right? Father's milk. I, don't, I realized that after I started to say the word father, it didn't make sense. But I was hoping you'd just say, yeah, and then we move on, see if anyone knows. Um, no. Um, okay, go ahead. I have a question for you. Okay, yeah. Because when oh. I was looking these verses up, yeah. I, I did some thorough research Okay. by typing into Google... What are the funniest Bible passages? That was my thorough research. Oh yeah, yeah, that's it. That's. And it. I found some blogs with with um, with funny Bible passages, mm-hmm. and one comment on one of the blogs was this, and I just want to get your take on it and and hear what you think about this. Okay. So anonymous said, "Let me add another verse which will make you feel sorry," and here's the verse. Revelation twenty two nineteen, and if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life, and in the holy city, which are described in this book. And then he says, then the the um, anonymous individual says, do not joke with God's word. God bless. <laughs> So you're saying like what we're doing is not good. Well, that's what this individual thought <laughs> of the the blog that I was reading. Ah, uh, they commented on the bottom and put that. Yeah, I think um, that. I mean, 
to we that's a whole other studying of itself of what that verse means because that also can be taken out of um out of context so i guess one thing what, what i would just say about it initially is it seems to me as if first of all it says if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy speaking about that specific book revelation um, and it didn't say from the book of, from the scriptures. I mean, that was one of the last books written. So it doesn't say from the scriptures. Um, but I don't know how he applies that to joking, you know, like finding the humor in the Bible. I don't know how this commenter, anonymous commenter that, that's on the blog, how he, you know, connected those dots. It, did it make, it didn't make, did it make any sense to you how he did that? Um... Well, he's he's just saying that by joking about God's word, you're taking things yeah. away. Sure, or taking yeah. things out of context. Yeah, and I think that's what he had to have done here as well. <laughs> he did himself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I wonder too, like I will on a on a serious note too. That's an interesting verse to think about too, like because you can't, you know, people would say, and I think uh, I guess I'd have to do a lot of in depth study, but my gut tells me, and all of my my ten years in free Methodism tells me that we do not believe that you know your salvation can be lost. So you know you can't just one day wake up, and, oh your salvation's gone or whatever. So to think that you know. If this we take this at face value to say, okay, hey, um, you know, somebody takes away a part of you know Revelation, doesn't teach it, or teaches it the wrong way, then suddenly they're not a Christian anymore. You know, that's what it sounds like. But I would like to do some more research on that verse, even even you know, in another podcast or or just in general, and kind of find out what does that mean. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a good uh, point. Um, that was a, that was a good that was a good like thing, but also like a serious note to like think. Hmm, I wonder what that's all about too. Most of the comments were positive, and then I found that one, and I just thought, oh, how odd. He's just being a, a sour guy about this. And yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's a big deal. But well, yeah, he I mean, he's taking it very seriously. That's the way a lot of people have have in the past like thought about church as being like, well, you have to be serious, and um, I know the the Puritans. Um, I remember reading, I think it was the Puritans, and I'm not, I'm going to get this all wrong, I think, but the Puritans um, would actually uh, scold people if they were smiling during a service or those types of things. Or if children laughed, they got in trouble, those types of things, because you were supposed to have a very serious face when you were in the church service. But, you know, thankfully that has changed over the years. People realize that, like we're looking right now, there are funny things, um, some of them, like I just read, that are kind of more out of context, but um, other things that seem pretty straightforward as we're talking about and we'll continue to talk about. Go ahead. So my next verse is, both of my next verses are found in Proverbs. Proverbs 26, 13. It says, The lazy person is full of excuses, saying, I can't go outside because there might be a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a, for some reason, that just reminded me of Toby Mac's uh, song where he says, like, how are you going to work when you're asking where the couch at? Hey, and that's my favorite part. Were you going to mention song. that? No, I wasn't. Oh, okay. Well, then but, I don't feel bad then. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That's just, um, that's funny. Like, well, just think of the dumbest thing for the reason not to get up and do something with your life. Right. <laughs> that's good. You have anything else on that? I don't want to cut you off. No. Do you want me to go to my last one or? No, I have... Well, I have a couple more. Okay. Yeah, I have a couple more here. Um, 
I think I I think I threw it back to you whenever I should have went. I think I let you go two times. So this this one is um I've seen this and I don't know if this is a true story or not. I, I hope it is, but I you like also hope it's not when you hear the story, um, because it would be really sad uh, if it was you that this happened to. However, it's just hilarious if it really happened in real life. So uh, the story is that a woman for her wedding um, was getting everything you know finished up and stuff and had all these details prepared um, and went to get the wedding cake ordered. And she said, um, you know, I, she had had this verse, 1 John 4.18, that her whole life, you know, she had really just relied on through a lot of hard times. And especially it, it deals with love. It says, there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. So she thought in that, you know, it had helped her through her life. And in the same way, it would be great because it talks about love for the cake, the wedding cake. So, you know, she put the order in or whatever and she got a call from the baker that said are you sure you want to put this verse on the cake and she said yeah I, I have no problem with it you know just put it on there that's exactly what i want first john 4 18. so they you know went throughout the whole thing and she didn't know why they had asked her that well when they got to the wedding and the person brought out the cake they realized that they hadn't written first john 4 18 on the cake they had written john 418 so apparently the cake maker didn't realize that there was a first john they just realized there was just the book of the gospel of john so well it was supposed to say for, per, that that verse about perfect love casts out fear it said john 418 which says this the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> so that's the story supposedly <laughs> that really happened now i don't know if that's really true or not i saw that on facebook some while back too oh and i don't my. know if that's like i say i want it to be true because it's just so funny but um i also kind of don't because that would be really like horrifying i would never just write the <laughs> reference i would write the whole verse and the reference well so that's what they did but they quote they wrote the entire verse of john John 418 on the cake, but they didn't see the cake until the day of, till the person brought it to the venue. I'm saying if I was the one ordering the cake, I would write everything oh, down I see for what the you're person saying. making the cake so <laughs> they so didn't true. have to find the verse. That's so true, yeah. So if you're that out there and crazy. you are planning a wedding, you're going to use that. Um, you know, I've heard different variations of the story, which probably make it that it's probably not true or maybe it is based in some truth i've heard another variation that uh someone went to read that passage up front during wedding they were scheduled to be a scripture reader and they read the john passage and instead of the first john so that's a different variation on that um but you know if you are going to be using that first john passage make sure you like highlight underline it tell the person who's going to be reading it or the cake maker like hey it's first john don't put john because it won't just be like what in the world is that it'll be actually like super embarrassing oh saying that you have five husbands so i don't want anybody to get that mix up all right that's all i have for that one <laughs> do you have a couple more cuz i have I do. one left I have so two why don't more. you go next and then <clears throat> okay i need to pull this up uh the first one that I have is John uh, 1 and uh, John 1, 43 through 50. Now these ones are... Now we are in John. Yeah, yeah. Now we are in John 1, not First John. Uh, John 1, 43 through 50. And um, these ones I can't take credit for. I actually stole these, um, well, from, from John, but from uh, another John named John Eldridge. Um, he has a book called Beautiful Outlaw. I think I may have mentioned it on the show before. I'm not sure. But he talks about the um, personality of Jesus and how we read the Bible just really being kind of flat because, you know, it's a book and maybe we just see it as these scriptures or whatever. I don't know. But um, 
we don't think about how Jesus was a human. We think about that, but we don't think about his personality. You know, he, we know he got angry, you know, in the temple and all that. But the funny personality of Jesus, and I just see some of that, and and even sarcasm in this story here. And I, it was pointed out to me for the first time when I read that John Eldridge book. But John one forty three through fifty tells the story of one of the disciples, um, named uh, Nathaniel. He was about to be called by Jesus. Um, it says in verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under a fig tree. You'll see greater things than that. So I think that's just like when we read that passage, we don't really read into what he's saying. But if we think about it, like this guy's like, well, how do you know who I am? And he's like, well, I saw you earlier. You were sitting under a fig tree. I know I heard about who you were. And all of a sudden, him saying that he's sitting under a fig tree, Nathaniel's like saying, you are the son of God, like bowing down to him. As if it was a miracle. Yeah, as if that's some sort of miracle. And that's like the first interaction he had with Jesus. And what we know about Jesus, thinking about all the miracles that he did, it's just like kind of like a sarcasm, like funny sarcasm, not in a bad way, that Jesus says, okay, so you're going to believe in me because I said I saw you under a fig tree. You're going to see better things than that in a little bit. Like, you better just wait and see what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just think that's that's just a kind of like some humor of Jesus there. Go ahead. Very good. Proverbs 27, 14. Um, this is a good piece of wisdom. Oh, no. If No, it's a good piece of wisdom. I thought you were wisdom. doing my trick from earlier. <laughs> well, Proverbs is full of wisdom. <laughs> that's true. And here's one piece. Okay. If you shout a pleasant greeting to your neighbor too early in the morning, it will be counted as a curse. <laughs> <laughs> we should try we should try that out. We're going to go out there and yell a greeting early in the morning and it, do you think it'll be counted as a curse? Um it Depends says on their day, here it will be counted as a curse if it's too early, so well, I would good. suggest you don't do that. That's what the on wisdom is. On a scale of well, there's not a scale. What how early is too early? Are we talking? Well, just need to make sure. Why here. shout a pleasant greeting anyway? Why not? Just, well, you want to shout a mean greeting? I or? don't like to shout myself. Okay, whisper. Let. What if you whisper a pleasant greeting? We don't have to, to be that neighbor. drastic. We could just speak a speak a greeting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like medium a greeting yeah. across the street. Like at a medium yes. tempo. No, that's a song, isn't it? <laughs> <Not> <laughs> a tempo. medium v- verbiage verbiage across the street. I and they wonder, will have a blessing. I kind of wonder if we should have done a run through before this. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just, <laughs> you know, we. Hey, you know what we haven't done during this show, and I think it's your turn, is sing any songs. We always sing a song during the show I'm on the top ten. Not going to sing any songs. Well, I got uh, one last one. It's in Luke twenty-four thirteen through thirty-one, and this is a long story. So you better settle into your comfort. Your I've easy got chair. my blanket here. Okay. I'm ready. This is uh, the resurrection, and this is also stolen from John Eldridge, pointing out the humor of this. Now, that same day, two of them, meaning disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. 
They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked among them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only the one? Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who has not known the things that have happened here in these past few days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found that it was just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he broke bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. So that's a whole story. So you may have heard that story before, but I, it's just the funny parts of it are, first of all, that he comes up among, alongside of them. He's just been resurrected. He decides not to tell them, but he is in some sort of disguise. They can't recognize who he is. Um, and then they say, you know, don't you know what things have been going on? And he's, oh, what things? What are you talking about? Like he doesn't actually know. And then later on, after they go through their whole journey, he acts like he's going further. He's like, oh, I just got to keep on going. And they're like, no, come on. It says they urged him strongly. So they're like, please just stay with us. And then it's like, okay, I guess I'll come stay with you. Mm -hmm. And so then when they finally realize it's Jesus, you know, whatever triggers that, he breaks the bread and somehow maybe that goes back to the Last Supper or whatever. But whenever their eyes are open to the fact that it's Jesus, all of a sudden that's when he disappears. So they're like, wow, it's Jesus, and then suddenly he's just not there anymore. <laughs> right. So just kind of the humor of that, and, and what John Arders talks about, just kind of thinking of like the mood of Jesus, um, you know, he's just defeated death and sin for all time. Like, what do you think the mood of Jesus is on his resurrection morning? It's probably, you know, really good. I mean, he's probably like happier than ever before. So, you know, it's just that, you know, funny thing of Jesus. I mean, later on, just a short while after that, then everybody's like all holed up in this room and then he just shows up like, hey guys, he just appears in the room and he's like, do you guys have anything to eat? And you know, he wants to eat stuff and it's just kind of funny just the things that he says, you know, where we might, if we didn't know the story, might think he might show up and start, um, you know, saying, it is I, the Lord or something, right, you know, or yes. whatever. So um, that's just kind of one of those, uh, you know, personality type things that if we look at, we can kind of see just a under the surface type humor. But that's everything that I have. I don't know. What do you have? Nothing else. I told you all my verses. Any last knock knock jokes or anything like last like punchlines that go out the door? Just don't call me the gentle giant again. <laughs> well, next time we'll have a new name. We'll have a new top ten list. I don't know what it'll be. I'm gonna have you come up with it next time. The top ten. Does that sound like a plan? I can do it. All right. Well, we will be back next week. If you have, well, I guess we won't, but I will. I will be back next week with our next episode. If you have out there a uh, favorite passage, if you haven't listened to our other episodes, our top ten episodes, go back and listen to them. One, 
the one about the Wesley hymns is episode number 24. And I don't remember the episode number of our first top 10, but I will put a link to that in the show notes. Um, however, uh, if you have a funny scripture passage that you think is funny that for some reason you want to uh, talk about, please let us know, and we would like to hear that as well. So we will see you soon. Have a great week, everybody.